Oh, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus Christ who makes it possible and that you are here with us today. I pray for everyone in the room right now that each one of us, wherever we are in our understanding of Jesus, would just right now thirst long for the grace we sing about, long for your embrace, long for your touch. Can we just breathe in grace? breathe out your praise. It's for the sinner, and that's all of us, and it's for the saint. And God, I thank you, and I pray today that even as we talk today about engaging with you, that each one of us would realize as we go forward that it's all because of grace, and it's all because of Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated, please. And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this, and you can pull those out because you're going to need those in our time together today, and maybe you want to write down some thoughts. I'm also going to invite you to grab your Bible and turn it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you grab the lobby Bible on the way in and you want to use that today, that's great. I'll just, I know the page number in this is page 888. I don't know the page in your Bible. Uh, and so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at the, some verses there that will be a catalyst for today and the next coming weeks as well uh, as we get together. Now, we're in this series on Renew. And as we're going through this series on Renew, we're uh, looking at different ways that God wants to strengthen us, to renew us, to give us life, to draw out from us the Christ he's placed within us. First week, we talked about the fact that we would trust God. Trust Those who trust in the Lord will gain new strength. That's our theme verse, and we talked about what that means, and it was all about worship of him. The worship will renew us. In the second week, we talked about prayer. Talked about our church prayer, 2014 prayer. And as we grow, as we learn how to talk to him, then we can embrace him. And I just want to encourage you uh, to continue in this church prayer. Remember, it's a prayer a day for five days, five prayers on Saturday. Come Sunday and get refreshed and rejuvenated, and we do it all over again. And we are meditating on these verses that we're going through for an entire year together. If you weren't here, you want to go to January 12th and watch that service. You can get an idea of what we're talking about. And there are prayer cards all over the lobby that you can grab so you can follow along. I know that you can go into our website as well and get your taste of that. So we talked about that on that week and what God wants to do as we pray together. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about groups and as we connect together and we engage. And I was so thrilled after last week that so many of you who aren't in groups walked right out to our tables and you got the booklet that would help you find your way in. I just want to encourage you that that booklet's a great tool. You can go online and find groups as well and find a way that you might connect. And today I'm going to talk about engaging in two different ways. And two different ways that I believe, I just want to just throw it out today, that I believe has more power than anything we've talked about or will talk about in this series to renew you and inspire you. And then next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the way that we can be renewed through impacting our world and how God wants to use us in some really cool ways to just drive his grace into our world in a way that people can see it and receive it. Now, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Uh, and, but before you do that, I just want to you know, you know, talk about a little bit about a way that you can understand what I'm talking about today. Uh, is that, you know, I, I get to talk to lots of people in our lobby, and I love our lobby time that we get to have, and between services, and people email me, and we, you know, meet at the coffee shops, and uh, run into people all around town and talk, and lots of folks come up to me, and, and they'll ask me some questions about our church. And then on occasion, just on occasion now, that the conversation will turn, and the person will say something like this, Ron, I really love what's going on at Twin Cities. How can I help? What can I do? And, you know, when that, that question comes, I'm pretty excited because, you know, the typical response to church is, uh, that people will respond by, wow, I really wish that we sang more. I really wish that we sang less. I really wish we sang more hymns or I wish we sang less hymns. I really wish it was louder. I really wish it was quieter. I really wish it was hotter in here. I wish, I wish it was colder in here. I really wish there weren't as many people in the parking lot. I really wish it was easier to get in and get out. I really wish that you talked deeper. I really wish that you would talk more practical. I really wish that we had Sunday school for adults. I really, you know, I used to go on and on, okay? That's kind of the way it is, Okay. And then occasionally, someone will come up and say, Ron, what can I do to make it better at Twin Cities Church? And I'm just thrilled every time I get that question. And so today, and I've got one word, and the word is engage. Just engage in some way. And I'm going to give us two ways that we can engage today. But I don't want to start with, here's what you need to do today. Because we get all caught up and think that this is just something about what we do. Because what we're going to talk about is something that comes from within us because of Christ in us. Okay, so I want to begin with the motivation today. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at these verses uh, for the next several services that we come together as our inspiration. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes this. He says, starts off, Christ's love controls us. So just pause there a minute. He's saying that Christ's love is what gives us, it's the engine of our life. It pulls us forward. Another translation says it compels us. It pushes us out. It controls us. Christ's love is what it's all about. His love. Until we come to an understanding that it's all about love, then we're going to believe it's about obedience. And we're going to believe it's about what we do to earn acceptance. But it's all about grace. And because of grace, then I'm inspired to do something differently. He goes on to say, since we believe, here's the key. Since we believe that Christ died for all, it's the gospel message. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone, right? Everyone, that's all of us, everyone. So that those who receive his new life, that's the ones who choose him, will no longer live for themselves. So what he's saying here, he's saying there will be people who don't live for Christ. There will be people who live totally for themselves. They are the ones who don't know Jesus. But those who know Jesus, who say yes to him, they will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Would you underline that, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do so that you can remember that. They will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. That's our motivation who died and was raised for them. So Paul's writing, and he's talking to these other followers of Christ, and he's saying that the death of Jesus Christ bought them new spiritual life. And that's just not a nice truth. That's just not a nice, you know, maximum that we can hang on a wall, that Christ died for all. And then now I'm going to go along living my life in my self-focused, self-centered, self-actualized way. But no, I'm going to live my life in a new way because I've said yes to Jesus Christ. He's reminding them of the fact that Jesus Christ came and he died for us. 
He went to a grave for us, and then he rose from the dead, and that's our motivation. That's why we do what we do, because I was once lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I have accepted him, and I've responded to his grace. It's a whole new reason to live now. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it powerfully focuses on what is most important to God. So in this series, we're just talking about how can we renew or reignite or ignite. Maybe you've never had it ignited your passion for Christ and living full on, full out for him, driven, compelled, controlled, thrust forward, motivated, fueled, inspired because of the one who died for you. That's what we're talking about what he wants to do. The love of Jesus Christ that we're going to see displayed on the cross or a friend day. We're going to start a whole series. It's going to be all about the cross, all about the cross for seven, eight straight weeks, all the way to Easter. All about what Jesus has done for us because Jesus died for us. We live for him. So what Paul's trying to do, is, and it's just, you know, and, and this is our tendency. This is our nature. So this is not a bad us, you know, thing I'm going to say right now. But Paul's trying to get us to move beyond our self-focused, self-centered, self-absorbed living and lives that we go through. And I'm just so bold to say that when we do this, this is the path that you're looking for. This is the path to significance. This is the path to make a difference in life. And it begins when I accept his agenda for my life and I do not live for my agenda anymore, but I live for his. When I engage in his purposes for me and I disengage from my self-centered, self-absorbed, self-focused purposes for my life. Now look at what Jesus says. He's talking about why he came here in Mark 10, 45. Mark read it to us just a moment ago. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says right here, he came to serve and he came to give. He came to serve and he came to give. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to us today about how we can engage in the same things that Jesus came and he engaged in that gave him full life, that we engage, we will be like him and we will have full life. It's the pathway to fulfillment. And I'll just say this, it's also the pathway to a healthy experience and walk with him. And it's also the pathway to experiencing a healthy church. So I'm going to give you two ways today that I'm going to ask you, if you were to ask me that question, Ron, what can I do? Here are the two things. First, I'm going to ask you to engage through serving. I'm going to ask you like Jesus to engage through serving. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five reasons now uh, that we would want to serve, or five other motivations, as if that wasn't enough already, of why we would want to serve and give ourselves away. You know, because, I, serious, serving, you know, it's hard because it takes time, it takes effort, I have to give up what I would want to do, I need to be accountable, I need to be responsible, uh, I need to be led by someone else in order to serve. So there's a lot of reasons why we'd want to say, hey, serving isn't for us right now, not for me right now. But here's why it would be for you. First, I'm created to serve. I'm created to serve. Now, I didn't put the, you know, the actual, write the verses out in here because my outline wasn't, you know, cut. It would just been all, you know, print today. So I, I just put the reference and then I'll put it on the screen. So I'll read it to you. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's made us a masterpiece, and he's made us a masterpiece, created us to do good works. I love Johnny Erickson Tata. She's been in a wheelchair for about 47 years now, quadriplegic. Now, we tell her story, but we don't stop and think sometime 47 years as a quadriplegic. This is what she says. She says, as a quadriplegic, I fit into God's plans just like I am. Just like I am. 
She also quoted Charles Spurgeon. I love this. 19th century pastor who said, an endless number of people of different shapes and sizes and temperaments is required to reflect the infinite facets of God's love. Isn't that cool? Infinite number. Yeah, look around the room now. People of different sizes, shapes, and temperaments, and makeups. But we're all required. We're all necessary. We're all needed to express the infinite facets of God's love. Isn't that cool? Each of us were created. Second, I'm gifted to serve. I'm gifted to serve. We're all given. Once you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're given a gift. And it's a gift to be used for his kingdom. Not to puff us up to say, look at the gift I got. You know, there's no special gift. All gifts are equal. They just have different roles, okay? This is what it says in 1 Peter. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. Use them to what? Serve one another. I don't think you got it yet. Say it again out loud. Serve one another. We got it. Use them to do that. He gifted us to do that. You know, and somebody, it's really hard sometimes to figure out this whole spiritual gift thing, I'll be honest. And so we have a class, it's class 301. We talked about that journey class system. You could join in. Uh, journey 301 is the one we just, we want to help. We want to help us to discover the gifts that God has given us, but we've all been given one. Third, I'm instructed to serve. I'm instructed to serve. John 13, 15, Jesus says this. He says, okay, he's just washed his disciples' feet. He's washed their feet. And then he says this. He says, ah, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So he's instructing us. What he says there is, as I am a servant, you be a servant. As I served, you serve. So it's from Jesus Christ himself. This isn't from Pastor Ron today. It's from Jesus Christ himself saying, I want you to be a servant. I want you to serve. Now, one way you can come at this, because, you know, sometimes we get a little confused about what that actually means or how to do it. One way to do it is just simply you would go around asking, how can I put this person in front of myself? How can I put this person and their needs in front of myself? Or you run into somebody, how can I meet this person's needs in some way? Or you might say another, how can I do the best for another person? So you look at ways that you can actually serve. So Jesus is unapologetically, and I would say without reservation, calling each of us to serve in some way. Next, I'm inspired to serve. I'm inspired to serve. Mark 8, 35 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. That's inspiration. (laughs) Right? I mean, I just stop right there today. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save your life. You will have life, he says, when you do that. And he inspired us to get outside of ourselves and to serve others. Richard Foster, many of you read his books, uh, The Celebration of Discipline is one, particularly talks about this. He says this, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives as we practice the discipline of service. See, service, what it does, it teaches you to give up your agenda for the agenda of someone else. And then lastly, I'm needed to serve. I'm needed to serve. Unnecessary. Now, Proverbs, I mean, Romans 12, 4 through 5 says this Just as our bodies have many parts, so we all know that to be true, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. So it's kind of the picture here. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So there's one body, and it's the body of who? Christ. Christ, body of Christ. The body of Christ is the 
church, and the church is one body. And he said, we're all part of one body, but we all have different roles. We all have different functions because we're many different parts, but we all belong. You can't take a part off and expect the body to function as it was intended to function. It just won't do that. We're all essential and we're all necessary. So I'll just say this. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a church somewhere that needs you to serve. It may not be this one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a church somewhere that needs you to serve. Who you are is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to him. What you do with it is your gift to him. And these, you know, these you know, verses give us a blueprint for how God designed the church to work. One unit, one body, made up of different parts, all with different functions. And I was thinking about this this morning. Can you imagine what it would be like if you came to church and all the people who served didn't show up this week? First of all, there'd be no one in the parking lot in those nice little orange, you know, vests uh, with the flashy stuff on it, to, you know, pointing you on which way to go and get in. And then you would just have to figure out how to park and how to get in. Then you'd walk in. There'd be no friendly folks in the lobby to greet you. There'd be nobody standing there at, uh, with a program in their hands because there was nobody here on Friday to put it together to fold it. And there wouldn't be there anyway. And this would be the hardest thing for some of you. The coffee bar would be cold. <laughs> Oh, my word. What would we do then, okay? And then we walk in here, and we come for a service. Maybe we drop our children off. There are no children over there. There was nobody there to get the kiosk ready, uh, no children's workers. So we have to, oh, well, I guess I'll take my kids. So now I've got my kids, and they're all with me as I'm going somewhere. There's nobody in student ministry for my students to go to, and they're mad now because I have to go in the big house with mom and dad. And then we come in here, and you know what? There's no, well, there's nothing going on. There's no sound playing. There's no air AC on. There's no uh, nothing that, there's no one around here. Uh, and then Pastor Ron gets up and leads us all a cappella singing. <laughs> I think that would be as close to hell as you can get. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think you get my point, right? Hey, by the way, you don't know this, but... Um, this, uh, we had some issues up here uh, today that two electric guitarists have the flu and are ch- upchucking this morning, and one sound guy, uh, and couldn't be here this morning. And so we had people step up and come in, and they served at the last minute. Uh, Daryl's back there serving today on sound, and we have uh, Josh over here playing electric guitar, and then Dave filled in here in the middle uh, where Brian was going to be leading today. And that's what happens when, if, yeah, I just love it. Love the kind of service we have here. It's really cool. But here's the deal. If we can imagine what it would be like if nobody served, imagine what it would be like if everybody served. Oh, my word. I can't imagine how much fun this would be here. I can't imagine what God would want to do as he would touch lives, as he would expand capacities, as he would reach in with hands and feet that are called and gifted. If everybody found their place and said, I'll give. Just imagine what that would be like uh, because everybody is needed, everybody. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is I'm going to ask you, if you are not serving, that you would find a place to serve. 
Now, if you're a guest today, this is not for you, or maybe you're coming back, you've not been here for a long time, you know, and you're saying, well, I just was wanting to check it out again today. This is not for you. This is for those of you who are saying, I've been coming, and, you know, I've been hanging out here, and maybe you've hung out here for a year or two or three or four or five, you know, first of all, just kind of thinking you needed some space, and now it's become a wide gap. And so now's time for you to jump in and say, I'm going to serve. So here's how I'm going to help you today. I'm going to make it so easy. So this, if everybody would just pull this out of here, pull this flyer out. Now, this is not for those who are serving, okay? So for those who are serving, I want you to start praying that there will be new people joining you next week, okay? So this is for those who aren't serving right now, and you get to look it over, and I'm going to ask you to pick one or two places of interest to you. And then I'm going to ask you to put your name on this and put it in the offering basket today. And the reason I say one or two is some of us will look through here and they'll check every box. And by the time we get to you and talk about every box, you know, it's like 50 years later, you know, so we just want you to just pick one or two. And then I'll just go to the last 10% with you, okay? When you check a box and someone calls you or emails you, be courteous and return the call or the email. What happens in the past when we've done these is we may have 50 people say, I'm interested in children's ministry. 50. And we're just dancing back there, dancing everywhere, saying, praise God, 50 people. And then we'll make the calls and we'll send the emails and nobody will call back. Maybe five. And what does that say? Does it say that you were just you know, doing this so that you had some guilt in the moment and you're just trying to get rid of the guilt and think if I just check a box and I can walk out of here not feeling guilty? No, it's so that you can get involved. So I'm just asking to be serious when you do this today. And when someone you know, contacts you, that you would just respond, and then you would look for a way to find your way into ministry and into service. So we're going to put these in the offering baskets at the end of our time together today. So the first thing we're asking you to do is to engage in serving. If you want more help, you just go out to the lobby. After the service, there's a table out there with balloons up, and there's some folks there, and they'd be willing to help answer any questions you have about how to serve here. Okay, next, I'm going to ask you to engage through giving, through giving. Now, some of you are going, oh, this is not the week to be here. <laughs> I am so glad you are. Okay, this is real stuff, folks. This is real. I'm going to read to you what Paul says. For I know how eager you are to help. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what your generosity proves. So not being generous says the opposite. I'll just be honest. Not being generous says that I'm not moved by the cross. I'm not moved by the death of Jesus. I'm still living for me. Not living the new life he's called me to actually live. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, just like in serving, I'm going to give you five motivations 
uh, that can, for you to chew on about this issue of giving. First is this, my giving inspires others. It inspires others. And what Paul said, he says, I know how eager you are to participate, and I want you to know that your participation has motivated the Macedonian Christians. And the Macedonian Christians, by the way, were uh, the ones who, uh, I'm going to say, they have nothing. So today, if you're here and you're thinking that, you know, well, he's not talking to me, or you're going to feel bad because you don't have anything to give, just know this is who he was, in, was inspired right here. Those who have nothing. And they were inspired to give because of the giving of the other church. They were inspired by that. The enthusiasm stirred them, stirred them to give. So when we give, others are inspired. I remember when we were going to come here and have this building. I was just amazed at the process we went through. And then we realized what we felt since God wanted us to build. And then we saw how much that was going to cost. And we said, there is no way our church could do that. That was my first reaction. But I said, well, we have to ask the church. And so we went before the church and we said, church, what do you want to do? And, and so they all said, there's what we're going to give. And then they started giving and that giving. We, we, have, we have no like wealthy people here. It was just all common people, all normal people saying, I'm going to sacrifice and give because I believe in this vision. And then that, I can't tell you how inspiring that was. As we all gave to help this happen, our giving inspires others. Second, my giving increases faith. Increases faith. He basically said, when you give, just kind of listen to this, when you give generously, God will generously provide what you need. So that's how you grow your faith. I give generously, God will generously provide me more to give. I give generously, he will provide me generously more to give. And he says, for God is one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. So this is all about faith here, as it starts with a seed starts with a seed. As I plant a seed, I see fruit grow. As I have fruit, and I'm going to give more because I saw what God did with one seed. I can't imagine what he's going to do with two seeds. And I start planting my seeds. And then my faith expands and grows. And I'll just say it this way. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive him. Third, my giving produces joy. It produces joy. Paul said, don't give reluctantly or under pressure. So when you see folks and they're giving and they're all like that, well, it's under pressure. It's reluctant. And if you ever feel, if you feel even in my talk today is about pressure, just don't give. If that's what you feel. But it says when you give cheerfully, you're giving because it's of the cross and Christ and what he's done for you, then you have joy and your giving just produces more joy. It's not loss, it's joy when I get to give. It's just going to set us free. When we are able to give, like he says, Richard Foster again, he says this, giving with glad and generous hearts has a way of routing out the tough old miser within us. Even the poor need to know they can give. Just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. It destroys the demon of greed when I give. Next, giving plants seeds. It plants seeds. Now, I just want to clear up some confusion here. And I was actually, you know, kind of bought into this for a while as far as my own personal belief. I never taught it. Uh, uh, but that the, the idea that if I give, God's going to bless me in return. Because if I give, he's going to bless me, and then I get to use it for who? Me. Because I want more. So I'm going to give because it's about me instead of about giving because it's about him. And so the idea of planting seeds is here is that 
I don't give to be blessed, I give to bless. And so I give, God, I'm planting a seed, God expands it, I have fruit, I get to give more, and I'm planting seeds that are going to benefit other people in a huge way, and I get to sit back and watch what God's doing and celebrate that fact. And then lastly, my giving glorifies God. It glorifies God. So the way it glorifies God is that as I give, I'm making a statement on the condition of my heart. Uh, You probably don't need me to say it, but I'm going to. When I don't give, it makes a statement on the condition of my heart. And when I give, it gives glory to God because I'm showing him that I have a heart after him. Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. And when I serve him, he gets the glory because I say I'm doing it because of the cross and for no other reason that I'm motivated to give to him. So I just want to ask you, I want to ask you to think about your giving. I'm going to ask you to This is not, once again, not between me and you. It's between you and God. And I'm going to ask you to ask God about your giving. Ask him. Now, I happen to know that it's just a circumstance that happened this way. It wasn't planned. But uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, uh, we're going to, our accounting staff are going to mail out all of the giving records for 2013. So, you know, next week or so, you're going to get your giving record uh, for your IRS tax purposes if you itemize and also just so you can kind of check in and see how you did. And I include a letter in there that just invites you to check in and see how you did because you want to know where your heart is in the area of giving. So I'm just going to invite you right now to open that letter when it comes and to read it and just to allow God to work in your heart in some way about your giving. Now, here's what I want to say about giving. Uh, If you give based on what you think you can give or what you can afford to give, that's awesome. That's awesome to do it that way. And I believe you're not opening yourself up to the faith of faith giving. Faith giving is when I ask God what he wants me to give, and then I give God what he says to give. And, you know, know, lots of research on this about giving and churches and those kinds of things. And basically what they've learned is if at the beginning of the year, like right now, a person or a family sets a goal on how much they're going to give that year, they're more likely to hit that goal and to give more than they would is if they just every week decided based on what they have how much they're going to give. So if they set a goal up front, another one was if a family decided they're going to tithe in a year, that that's the only way they'd make it is at the beginning of the year, they just made a decision that says, we're going to give 10% to God. Now, you know me, I try to encourage us with percentage giving, not amount giving. Um, and here's the cool thing about percentage giving is that percentage giving is I'm going to give a percentage of what everything that comes into my home. And then that means there's no amount labeled on it. So there's no guilt if it's less and there's no ego if it's more. And it's always percentage. And so, you know, I encourage you to start wherever you feel comfortable at. I remember when I first came to Christ when I was about 27. And so I remember when the pastor talked about giving and he, he was a hardliner that said it could only be 10% and you weren't, you know, good with God if you weren't given 10%, something like that. And I came home and said, I can't do that. Or I'm not even willing to do that yet because my heart wasn't in the right place. And so what I decided to do was give a percentage 
and then allow the percentage to be the dictator of how much our family gave. And so, like I said, money comes in, percentage to God. And then that allows you to plant seeds, and then he gives generously, and then you're able to give more generously back to him when you make it a percentage that you're going to give, that you're going to chew on. And I just can't imagine, once again, what would happen if everybody who came to Twin Cities Church said today that our family, we're going to be givers. We're going to be givers. We're going to engage fully in serving, and we're going to engage fully in giving. Imagine what God would do in us and through us when we said we're going to live like Jesus lived. And we're not going to do it out of guilt. We're not going to do it out of arm twisting. We're not going to do it even out of some over-functioning sense of obedience or responsibility. We're simply going to do it because of grace, because of the love of Jesus Christ on the cross that I received what I could never earn, and I'm living my life for him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I know that when we have a, a talk like this, that there's some in the room that are feeling tremendous joy right now. Because at some point, they made a decision to engage fully. And so right now, they're sitting there thinking of the victories. They're thinking of the faith stories. The love. God, I just thank you for people like that. God, others of us, we're sitting here and we're feeling uh, it's warm in here. And uh, we feel some guilt. And I just want to say, God, I don't think that guilt's bad. You don't want us to feel beaten up, but, you, you know, guilt is a motivator. And as long as it's one that we are not responding out of that, but it's just like the thermostat telling that, that something's off and we need to fix it. God, some are feeling angry at me. I feel I'm meddling. I just pray they'll give it to you right now. Talk to you. Some are feeling inspired. And they're willing to say, okay, I'll take that challenge. I'll engage. God, I just thank you for that kind of heart today. And mostly I just want to say thank you to Jesus. Because you love and you accept everyone here. And God, I know there are those in life circumstance that are not able to give or serve. I pray that they would know that they are part of the body and they are essential to what you want to do through us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.